So this is something that, you know, we definitely are looking forward to having this conversation every time that we speak to people. It's, it has to be like a legendary moment at this point. I mean, it's only fitting. <laughs> Last time we spoke to somebody live, it was Diddy. That was a legendary You might have heard of him. Shout out to the <laughs> chairman. Clap it up for him. That's a fact. Shout out to Diddy. Shout out to Revolt, man. Family from day one. And I really just want to stress the importance of working together and collaboration. It's never competition. So anytime you see anything that Earn Your Leisure does, Revolt is there to support. And anytime that Revolt does something, Earn Your Leisure is there to support. That's the only way we're really going to grow as a community. So yeah. I think it's important to highlight that. Yeah, shout out to Revolt World. Yeah, cop, you can clap it up for that. Feel shy about that. Shout out to the sponsor, State Farm. I know the sponsor here this week. But what you're talking about is that collaboration piece, and, and it's very important. And, you know, I was reminded backstage about some of those things that we learn about being disruptive. And the challenge I have for everybody and what we're doing is, like, the most disruptive thing we can do is work together. Right? We've never done that before. But I feel like there's a, there's a class, there's a society that's being built in this financial revolution. And everybody in here is part of it. That's why you're here. So, again, clap it up for yourselves. Yeah, we're going to build this together. So, without further ado, we're going to bring out a very special guest, and I need, I need you guys to make her feel at home, make her feel yeah. comfortable. She's not used to public speaking. We was talking backstage, <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to have a very, very great conversation. So, please give a round of applause for Lauren London. Let's do it. Stand to your feet. Give us some love, y'all. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love y'all, too. Oh, the love is in the building. The love is in the building. Let's get into it. Your career, you know, start on the big screen, and now you're doing things in the business world, right? So how has that transition been for you to be talent as an actress to now becoming an entrepreneur? Well, I think naturally just, you know, as I've just gotten older and wiser. I really enjoy being behind the scenes much better um, because it just allows you to have more creative input, at least in my field. You know, I think just being able to produce things and having more access at being a creative director and making clothes and sunglasses and just all those different things, being able to really not hide behind like a character in acting, but being able to like really put my purpose and allow that to align in my creative ventures. So I think that came with just my natural evolution of just being older and being shit, closer to 40, so. <laughs> Shout out to the 80s babies. Yes, yes. So talk about that. Was there a, a role or was there a time period that you saw, I'm on the wrong end of this, right? I, I was a talent, but the people who are really making the decisions, the people who really have the biggest impact are the people behind the cameras. Was there a moment that shifted that mindset for you? I think my life just changing drastically uh, four years ago really shifted that for me. I think sometimes life will put you in a mindset of like, I don't want to be fraudulent in my life anymore. I don't want to just be hired work. I want to have some type of purpose in my work. And I think I just wasn't taking jobs for maintenance anymore. Like I would do a lot of movies or TV shows to maintain, you know, some type of financial access in my life. And I just was tired of that. And I was okay with just not making a certain amount of money for the bigger picture. And I think that my life drastically changing made me not want to pretend anymore. I really wanted to be in my purpose. And 
really put stuff out there that didn't take away from the world, but that put into the world. So, yeah, clap it up for that. Oh, thank very you. Important. <laughs> They're here, don't worry. <laughs> so you've been very vocal about your spirituality, and um, how do you relate that to business? Like, how do you use your discernment? How do you use your intuition to know, like, this is something that I want to get behind, or this is something that I don't want to get behind? That's a really good question because it's really unconventional how I do it these days because a lot of times I'll get opportunity and I'll have to tell everybody, like, "Mm, let me meditate on this before I just jump in it. And that's always weird to do in big meetings because they're like, you know, (laughs) but... You're doing that in the meeting, like, give me a second. Yeah, yeah. I'm (laughs) like, you know, let me sit with this. Let me go home. Let me, like, really process this, what this looks like. Can I be truthful in my contribution to this? Um, And so that's really important for me, too, is just being authentic in in everything that I do. And so I take moments. I don't necessarily... And I say no to a lot of things. I'm not afraid to say no to money if it doesn't align with the larger objective. (laughs) They clapping, but that's not easy. Let me just follow up on that. Do you you have any, um, any people that you consult do you have like advisors or different things of that nature? Like, how does that look as far? Because not just for you, I think people in general, right? There's a lot of creatives and there's a lot of entrepreneurs in this crowd. And one of the hardest things you have to do is to make those type of decisions. And it's like, well, the money is good, but I don't really feel good about it. But this might help my career. It's a it's a wrestling match that you have to have with yourself. So. Yeah, I just, you know, but think it'd be interesting to kind of just share your decision-making process. Maybe some people can gain some insight on that. So it's up and down. Sometimes all you really can depend on is your inner self. You might not have someone that you trust or that has been in the same, you know, path as you. Sometimes that's the whole point of faith is trusting your, your inner compass. And so, you know, I have a code, you know, so I don't get off my code. I don't, you know what I mean? I have a square I stand on. And if it's off that square, I don't do it. Um, But I do have a business partner that I work with that I really do trust. And I think she's incredibly smart. But then sometimes it is just in me. And I got to trust that. And you can't be afraid to run from a dollar or say no. You know what I mean? You just can't. And I've done a lot of bullshit in my career. So it's like I have done things I'm not so, you know, I don't have no regrets, but I have things that I know that I just did because I got the advice of it's good for your career. But it's like, was it or was it just maintenance? Yeah, I feel like that. That's like the Hollywood story. You get the do this. This will help your career. But internally, it's like this doesn't even feel right. But we, we spoke a little bit backstage. You were talking about that process of. For us, that American dream, it was go to school, get a good job, make enough money to maintain your life. But when you spoke about that from the, the movie industry, I was thinking to myself, like, I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about that. Take this job, maintain. But nobody's talking about the sustaining of it, the generational piece of it. So can, can you allude to that and how that shifted for you? Hmm. Well, you know, I, I've been very blessed in my career to have opportunities and consistent job flow. Um, But more recently in my career, I was like, am I taking the jobs for money or am I taking them because I can be a true participant in this? 
And I realized that if I'm not authentic and honest, I'm whack. Like, I'm not doing it right. I'm not showing up 100%. I'm not even doing the job justice. And so now I just have to make sure that I can be myself and every, every, like I wouldn't do this if I didn't feel like I can really contribute or that I can show up authentic and be me. So if it's not that, I won't do it. Does that answer your question or did I just go off? No, you go or off, that's fine. maybe you should ask me in another word because... No, no, no. Because okay. no, no. <laughs> as you were thinking, I'm thinking of the next thing. It was like, yes, I'm taking these jobs. But then I started thinking about what you said about being authentically yourself. And so even as an actress and an established actress over 20 years... Ooh, 20 years? <laughs> okay, maybe. We, come on, we did the research. Oh, shit. <laughs> I wanted sometimes... Because sometimes we see people get lost in the character, right? Like even when you walked out, it was, hey, that's new. Hey, Boogie. How do you balance that, right? Because you still have to be Lauren and who you are in, in the real world, but people look at you as the character that they've watched for yeah. their whole lives growing up. I mean, I feel them. I have people I look at that I look up to that are characters that I've watched my whole life too, but I'm so solid in Boogie. Can't nothing shake that. On the hood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like that's extremely important as far as using your intuition and being true to yourself because even what we do, I feel like, you know, they use the, the term um, influencer, but I like to use cultural tastemaker mm. because I feel like that's what we're doing. We're, we're curating palette. And um, it's extremely important that like how we look at it is like art. It's not just business. Like for me, it's more art than it is business. So a lot of things that we do, they don't fit the traditional business model. But that's just because that that's just how we feel about it. So I feel like if for your business, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a creative, never do something because everybody else is doing it, mm-hmm. or never follow a trend. That's actually not even good business yeah. because you're not gonna make the most money possible. You're gonna make the most money possible by taking chances, but really drilling down on who you are as a person and curating a space that you feel comfortable with. It's a lot easier to do that than trying to do something that everybody else is doing, in my opinion. Yeah, because you're going to be half-assing it if you are pretending to be what you think people want you to be. Like, it's just people, you can't buy authenticity, but people always feel it, whether they know that's what they're feeling it or not. You know what I mean? They feel when you're being fraud or when you're pretending to be a half version of yourself. People feel that. They feel when you bring yourself to the table. That's just like human one-on-one, you know? For sure. So let's talk about the Puma. Yeah. Partnership. Um, Shout out to Puma. Yes. <laughs> so what does, what does your relationship with Puma look like? And I believe you have a new capsule that's coming out soon, right? Yeah. I've done so far three... Um, collections with them uh, Forever Stronger and then the last collection was a LA Love Story and they've given me, they're such good partners because I'm completely creatively in control of what my name is on so the photo shoot ideas, the clothing concepts, what I'm actually designing is all me and they're really allowing and I feel like I hope people feel that, it's totally me in, in these things Um, And I call it like affirmation wear because I always put a little something on the clothing that makes you feel good or you can remind yourself about it, right? 
Um, and so they've just been such a great partnership for me because it's the first time in my career that I've been able to be fully creative and fully myself and it be accepted. That's important. When I was watching the, the role, you can clap it up for that. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. yeah. That's big. They're a hard audience. <laughs> for me. <laughs> it's huge. When I was watching the rollout for, for the LA Love Story, I thought, this is genius. Again, we can see the creativity, but one of the things that I, I really admired is that you were going into the stores and you were speaking to, to young ladies. Yes. Talk about the intentionality about being in front of young African-American, young, I mean, young women in generally, and getting your message out there about being creative and, and some of the things that you've gone through. So I feel like another thing that has changed for me is that it's really not about me anymore. Like, I feel like I'm doing soul work. And even if, and on any scale, even if it's things people don't see that I do or if it's things that people say, see that I do, it's what am I doing for others? I just don't want to, like, be here for myself, right? I want to leave an imprint. And so a part of these capsules and just a part of my partnership with Puma is to reach back to my community, you know, and just inspire, give some insight. And leaving those you know, leaving those activations, I'm always filled up. You know what I mean? Because it's not about me and it is about the collective. And I think when you are in pain or if you are sad or depressed, when you get into service, it really is helpful. And so just being of service and just, you know, one of my biggest prayers is like, God, allow them to see you. I don't want them to see me. You know, I just want to be the vessel in anything that I do, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's really important for me. Um, I know you're an advocate for mental health as well. Um, so has business and becoming an entrepreneur, has that helped you as far as on, in your mental health process? <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Shit, sometimes like this is driving me crazy. No, but that's the point of staying in alignment with the purpose. That's the point of not skipping over the purpose is that any time in business I feel like if I'm being like self-serving or in my ego I'm like that's whack like let's I try to spiritualize everything if that makes sense you know what I mean and so I guess it has changed were you always a spiritual person I've always loved God yep not to the extent I think I've you know there's always growth I think I've grown a lot in my understanding of the books that I'm reading. You know, I always talk about theory and application. And so I read a lot of books growing up and I was in a lot of seminars and so I understood the theory of things but now I'm applying them. So how has, what are some things that you that you are actually applying that you can like take off of a book and actually, because one of the things that I, I read a book called The Four Agreements. Anybody ever read that book? I love The Four Agreements. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite books. Yeah. So when yeah. I read that book, it changed my life because um, agreement number two is not to take anything personal. Mm-hmm. And I was a person that I would hold a grudge. Like I could, you could say something to me in middle school. And I see you 30 years later, and I remember it like it was yesterday. No, he's not capping. So, he's really not capping. So, but <laughs> when I understood that it's not personal, right? Like, it's a reflection of the pain and hurt that you're in, mm-hmm. right? And you're just reflecting that on me. Mm-hmm. And it really changed the way that I looked at life. And it helped me become a much more successful person because I, I didn't have any vengeance. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to screw somebody over because they screwed me over, right? It's like, I just accepted that. Now, I'll, I stay away from you 
because you're in a situation where you're dangerous. Mm -hmm. But I'm also not in a vengeance state. I don't have that in my heart anymore. So like for me, that was an example of reading something and then actually implementing it. And I'm still working on it. But yeah, is any examples like that for you for yourself? Yeah, I think for me, you know, that was a big lesson for me, too, not taking things personal because I was good for like, why they do that to me? I didn't do that. to I would never do that. But it's not even about me. Um, more recently, I can only speak to recently. I'm trying to work on um, letting things go and just like being in the flow of things and just like not trying to control everything in my life, you know? And I think that comes from just my personal trauma of, like, trying to control, ah, you know? What next disaster is going to happen? So <laughs> I'm trying to, like, trust just the flow and trust that I'll be all right no matter what and just, like, letting it go. Powerful. So... The, the Puma partnership is something that we can see that has transpired and this growth that's happening there. But you said you do say no to a lot of things. Yeah, right? so, I mean, you can't be afraid to say no. I always tell people, you don't judge me by what I say yes to. Judge me by what I said no to. You know what I mean? Good advice. So, and this is interesting from a brand standpoint, if I'm saying no enough, when do I say yes before brands to start looking at other people, like, you know what, let's not even go her way. because That's we, on them. That, right, so that, is, is that something you, you balance with or you I struggle mean, with? I mean, yeah, you always struggle with, because I'm still human. Like, I'm not about to pretend like I'm just floating on a cloud. Like, ee, no. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're like, damn, I hope I made the right decision. But I got to trust my intuition. And sometimes I might not know if I'm making the right decision till five years down the line. Mm-hmm. I'm like, word. And I also believe that sometimes it's not necessarily the job your protection is coming from. It could be the people working in that environment that you don't need to be in contact with. You know what I mean? So that's big for me, too. And I'm big on rejection is protection. You know, I'm big on that. Like, cool, I'm not even supposed to be in that arena, maybe. And trust that. How, how was it for you to, um, to get back and act again, right? Was that therapeutic for you or was that hard for you? I know you took some time off. Yeah. So when, when, you, when you got back out there and um, kind of got back into what you started as, how, how was that transition? It was different because I wasn't coming in. I used to like going to work like, am I good enough? Is that good enough? Like, I hope that they really like me and I hope that, you know, I don't suck, you know, at this job. But this time, you know, in my new, like, growth, I kind of came in like, actually, I have something to give here. You know what I mean? Maybe my gift doesn't necessarily always show up on the camera, but I'm going to make sure on set I'm pleasant and I'm being of light and love. And I'm like, I'm, it's about the collective. And so, yeah, it was therapeutic. Also, I think it was important for my kids to see me get up and go back to work, especially my eldest. He was like, you know, that, that was really important for him. Yeah, I mean, you're leading by example. You're leading by demonstration, right? Yeah. That's a fact. So I, as I was watching one of your interviews, and I thought, this is, this is interesting. The, the thing that you love to do is act. You said that it makes you happy. It is therapeutic. One of the things about acting or the industry itself that you didn't enjoy was the business of it. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of those things inside of this? I mean, we can see now with the strike going on. What are some of the things that you saw then inside of the business that, was a red flag to you, like, I, I don't like that. This is, we could do this better. I got to get on the other side. 
Yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, the black story. You know, I would love to see more black stories and it not be filtered through all these studio execs that might not be of color telling us that it don't work. And, um, you know, I would also, you know, I feel like we're so dynamic as a people that I didn't necessarily see that being portrayed in, you know, the art that I was in. You know, so, you know, that would be the most thing that stood out for me. And just, you know, ownership. No. That's the bar, right? Yeah. Yeah. So as as you're seeing these stories not being portrayed, did it ever inspire you? I I wanted to even write or pen a story? Yeah. I have a lot of stories in my head that (laughs) probably, like, shit, my own damn story, but later in life. Um, Yeah, I actually... Yeah, I did do a, um, I collaborated with some writer friends of mine and wrote a TV show idea and it didn't get picked up, but that's okay. We're not going to stop. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I do. So, obviously, your mother first, and I know you're big on generational wealth and leaving a legacy for your, for your children. Um, talk about that as far as the importance of that and balancing um, being a mom with being an actress and being an entrepreneur and a philanthropist and a voice to many people and, and how do you keep that balance? So my kids are they come first like so that's the north star for me like if it doesn't surround them and their schedule I just don't do it um, but balancing that I'm, I'm going to be honest I'm just doing the best that I can it is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And I do have to say no to a lot of things because my son might have a baseball game and I'm a single mom. So, you know, I got to be there for everything and I want to be there for everything. So that's right. Shout out to the single mom. Um, But yeah, you know, I try the best I can. And then as far as like generational wealth, it's my son is 14 and it's just about like his education on it. You know, I didn't have education on it. My mom, you know, struggled. She was a single mom. She had three jobs. So I knew how to hustle and I knew how to survive. So I was thinking with the mentality of survival rather than generational wealth. Rather, I didn't have the mentality of abundance growing up. So I have those conversations with my son about abundance. Like you can have so much for so many people, not just yourself, you know, for your kids and their kids and the community. And so we just have those conversations a lot. Your son, your older son is really into finance. Extreme. Yeah. He loves, he was like in a stock class and everything during <laughs> COVID. Mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's two guys that we know. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, if you y'all can need, definitely, if yeah, for sure, something, for sure. You know, we, we could lend our talents. Uh, you know, I, I, I would appreciate what, what, that. What made, what made him get into that? I don't know. Like he just got into that. I, well, I do know. I have an uncle that is uh, very much into, you know, financial, uh, wealth in our community and I also think just you know he grew up in the house with hustle so uh, Nip was a really big influence on him for sure wow so he's learning and he's into finance but I mean one of those things and especially now when we meet a lot of people they're learning as well and so at this point are you guys learning? I'm learning You're as learning well. together, yes. right? How, I'm how learning is that, too, right? y'all. Well, I ask him a lot of questions, especially like with his stock class. He did these like 
stock class program during COVID. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And he's like, mom, you need to invest in Tesla. And I'm like, okay, how do I do that? You know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, I think I've had to work on my mindset around money as well. And understanding that it's an energy too. Even when I was not making a, you know, enough to pay my car note and all this stuff. I always knew that if I had to put a lot of money into something, it was going to come back. I never thought with a scarce mentality. I think because I grew up around a lot of people that did like my, you know, it was like still from Peter to pay Paul. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like I'm a, I know it's going to come somewhere and then it would like, I would get another job. At one point I had three jobs. You know, got a little Jamaican in your family. But I think I think it's very important to highlight that as far as the mindset. You know, we talk about finances a lot. We have a show. We talk about stocks. But no matter how much information you give somebody, if their mind isn't trained properly, it's not going to matter, right? And I th- Even if it doesn't matter how much money you give somebody, if the mindset is not really tapped into the flow and the abundance and a good mind, a good a good relationship with wealth. Yeah, you know. and like even for me, like just recently she stopped, but like my mom forever, she used to tell me like Walmart's having a two for one sale on bottles of water and like you can get, you know, napkins for 50 cent off if you get bundle packs. And that's kind of how I grew up. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate the trying to save money aspect, but that's not a pathway to generate wealth. That's a pathway to stay in a middle-class mindset where you're constantly looking at things from a scarcity standpoint. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to save $1.50. I'm going to spend an hour to cut coupons to save $10. Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, I'm going to spend an hour to study charts to make $30,000. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so it's a, There was like two women that said, that's me you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's a lot of people, right? That's how, that's how a lot of people grew up. And it's done not maliciously, but it's detrimental. So it's like when you talk to your children, be aware of that because words are powerful. So you tell kids like money doesn't grow on trees and all of these things are very negative standpoints and you're making them already have a scarcity mindset. Well, we were taught to survive. You know, it wasn't like a thriving environment. It was like we got to survive. And so I think a lot of us, our first generation, even talking about generational wealth. I know I am. I wasn't raised in a house where that was even a concept or, like, available for me. Yeah, and that's what I think now we have access to so much information, so now it's up to us to change that way of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, yeah, for sure. Clap it up for that. And that's how I always looked at it. Like, I was never scared money. I looked at it like, you can't really lose if you start with nothing. Mm. So it's like, if I have $5,000, I'm closer to zero it's not, it's not the end of the world if I go to zero, right? What's the worst that can happen? Even if I have $10,000 saved. If I lose $10,000, I'm not going to make or break the situation. Mm-hmm. But if I, that 10000 makes me a millionaire, it's going to change my life. So I always look at money, in my opinion, you have to look at money as something that is like a Frisbee. Mm-hmm. Throw it out. Mm-hmm. Throw it out because it, you have, it has to come back. Now, when I throw it out, don't throw it out literally, like yeah. in a strip club. That's not intelligent. But I'm saying <laughs> throw it out, like put it back out there. Put it in investments. Buy real estate. Buy stocks. Put it in business. Money is not meant to be hoarded. Mm. 
Money is meant to circulate amongst each other. That's how you, when you fully understand that, now you are on a pathway to generate wealth. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it from a scarcity mindset and every dollar I get, I'm just going to try to put it under my mattress and I want to hoard it until I can save enough money to buy a pair of Jordans. Well, that's a pathway to poverty. Mm. And that's how we were taught. We were taught that money was a voucher for things to buy. You work to get enough money to buy something. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna work to get enough money to go on a trip. I'm gonna work to get enough money to buy sneakers. I'm gonna work to get enough money to do whatever. You ultimately are only making somebody else rich. Mm -hmm. Whereas like now we look at it like we work, we get enough money to now we can get more money off of that money. Like if your money isn't working for you, then you'll always be working for money. Mm -hmm. That's true. That was powerful. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm learning. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, he, I wasn't going to stop him. I like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, because we hear about it in sports all the time, and, and, and Shadi probably can attest to it, when we see athletes or we see entertainers, there's always somebody that they put in their corner, the financial advisor, the financial planner. We never really hear about it from the world of acting and, and, and actresses. Was that the case when, when you got into this space? They're going to surround you with a team, and hopefully you can trust that team and pray that they don't, you know, take advantage of you mm. and not give you the information to make you better? So that wasn't necessarily my experience. My experience was that at first I was just managing all my money. It wasn't that much. Like, I couldn't, I was managing it, right? And then taxes came and I was like, uh, you know, and so my, you know, my agent did introduce me somebody to help me with my taxes, right? Because it was a different tax bracket at that time. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, I have a... Yeah, so it's just a business partner and management that can help me invest in things if that comes on the table or real estate and just kind of like a keeping things in check. Yeah, but it wasn't like a group of people that came in. I I wouldn't say I, I made that much for them to want more than one person to come get with it. They'll take every penny if they <laughs> no. I mean, you, I'm, I'm but sure. But you, you still have to be, sorry, I'm sorry. You still have to be extremely involved in your finances. Like, you can't ever not be you being the head of the stuff. Like, you can't just let somebody run it. You have to, they can assist you on your, what you're doing. Yeah, we heard a lot of horror stories firsthand. Fat Joe, somebody that we spoke to, he actually went to jail for tax evasion, but it wasn't because he purposely did it. His accountant was stealing the money and didn't pay the taxes. Steve Harvey, somebody else that we interviewed, um, ended up owing the IRS $30 million because his accountant was taking the money, acting like he was paying the taxes, never paid the taxes by the time he found out he was oh in the hole. Oh, Lord. Listen, that's why I just pray over my finances. <laughs> Jesus, please. I do not want that testimony. <laughs> but what, what would be your advice for any creators? Because like I said, I know there's a lot of musicians and actors. Um, always taught, just be talent. Don't worry about that. Let somebody else do it for you. You don't have to be a financial expert, but I think you should at least have some level of eyes on what's happening as opposed to, like, the old model for music, even Big, that's something, like, how we grew up, we started listening to music in the 90s. So when Big said, stash more cash than Burt Fidel, I didn't know who that was, and I realized that he was the accountant that was handling all of their business. Then I started, and then they was like, yeah, like, if they need money, they just call him, and then he, he sends them money. 
I didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. Like, how is he going to send you money if you need money? Then they would educate me. Like, well, that's how the business, that's how music business works. Like, you call your accountant, you say, I want to buy a car. He sent you $300,000. But that leads, obviously, to so much embezzlement. Mm-hmm. And then you add a variety of other different factors where you're moving in and out, you're drinking, you hide. These are all things that are put in place on purpose. People don't even fully understand what's going on with their money. And then before you know it, you broke. And the average person, is hard for them to have sympathy for a musician or an actress or a football player. It was like, if I had the opportunity to make millions of dollars, I would never go broke. Mm -hmm. But you don't understand how difficult it is when you have so many people tugging at you and now you have so many different things happening at one time. It's like you was prepared for this. You didn't go to school for it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for people to have that understanding because it's like, you never know when you might be in that situation. Mm -hmm. For sure. What's my advice for that? Well, it just goes back to always... You being the point person and let if you do have an accountant, allowing them just to assist you, you being the point person, you have to be your point person. I can't speak for the person that has $30 million. I'm not in that world, so I don't know what. Not that, yet. Not, not yet. Yeah. Right, right, right. But you know what I mean? I mean, in my experience, I'm not an expert. I just, in my experience, it, he works with me I don't it's like this is what what is this and how is this and I go in there annually and sit with it and work with him and allow him to educate me too on the things I don't understand as far as the thing you know something that I want to invest in and recently there was an invest I wanted to do this investment and it just wasn't smart so I just didn't do it you know what I mean but I you have to be the point person I guess that's a short answer and you have to ask questions Oh yeah, that was something. And don't you, be afraid yeah. to like. I'm not. I'm okay that I don't know everything. You know, there's some things I'm well versed in, and some things I'm not, and that's okay. So I ask the questions. Yeah, I think a lot of times we get in situations where we don't even know the question to ask, whether it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And so just having that vulnerability to say I don't know it, mm-hmm. it's something that we got to work on. Like we've seen that plenty of times, and we've heard plenty of stories of it. It's like. We're going to get taken advantage of if we don't ask it. But the, prob- the problem with that is that you have to be educated to ask a question. You've asked the right... Ask any question. You're right. No, you have to have some level of education to ask a question. Oftentimes, we don't have enough education to ask a question, and we're embarrassed. So you just don't ask a question at all. That's extremely dangerous. So you should always educate yourself at least enough to be able to ask a question mm-hmm. and always ask a question. Before I did this, I was a financial advisor. I used to always educate people because I realized that people didn't know anything mm-hmm. about finances and you could be highly intelligent in one area that has nothing to do with another area. Mm-hmm. So never be intimidated or afraid to ask a question because if you don't ask a question, then your ignorance is going to be used against you. Every time. Yeah. As you were speaking, and you clap up. Talk. I ask questions. You ask a lot of questions. I'm, I'm thinking West LA, right? This is where you grew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you're... Hey, that's right. That's right. All right, there's hella people from LA in here. How was that? That was good? It's like two people. It's a, <laughs> hella people. Three, and that's enough. It's some in the back, too. Shout out to them. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. Okay. Three people from Compton. They wanted it to be known. Straight out of, straight out of straight Compton. Out of Compton. <laughs> straight out of Compton. All right. But as you're growing up, as you said, your career's taking off. Again, this is something we see with athletes and we see with entertainers. The survivor's remorse. As you're making it and you're ascending, is there pressure, is there angst to look back and give back to the people who, I guess, maybe have grown up with you, who feel that they've helped you, 
Is there any pre- have you felt that pressure? Have you had to deal with that? Um, yeah, I think naturally. Um, you know, I, I, I had a homegirl that tell me, like, you know, who are you helping? Like, okay, I hear you got that, but who are you helping? You know, and so that always stuck with me. But I also never wanted to enable anybody. I did want to, like, help. So if I could help, and it wasn't enabling a bad habit, I'm a for sure help. And help doesn't even have to be a financial thing. No, it doesn't. I mean, not at all. Like, I used to do music videos, and then I used to, you know, I was also a production assistant before I ever acted. And so when I would see that they needed girls for videos, I would call my homegirls, like, do y'all need a check? Because they're hiring over here. You know what I mean? That's just what I could do with the access that I had at the time. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's very important that you empower, empower and inspire the people closest to you, for sure. For sure. So you said that you say no to a lot of things. Yeah. Talk about the, the power of saying no and how you say no. Saying no is not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Not just from a corporate standpoint, but like you said, just a regular friend or somebody that you grew up with a lot of people struggle with that. Even me, like I have a hard time saying no, and sometimes people can't fully express no, so they just go ghost. They mm-hmm. stop answering their phone. Nobody wants to have an uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. It's human nature. So, how have you gotten comfortable saying no? So, business-wise, I think it's a little easier because there's other people in place before you that you can just have your business partner or manager or agent to say, oh, this doesn't align with what we're doing right now. Thank you. I think it's very important that you have a super objective, which is your purpose. So if it's, that's how you know to say no. Like, this actually doesn't align with my super object- objective, my purpose in life. So no, not really. And then as far as, like, personal no's, I think boundaries are really important. Um, and I think that you don't necessarily have to say no. You can be very kind and polite. Like, mm, I, you know, I don't have the capacity for that right okay. now. Uh, see, I'm, li- I'm taking language, those words. Language is yes. important. Capacity, alignment. Yes. Yeah, we, we saw somebody, and I think she's sitting here. Somebody was giving her a, a, a flyer yesterday or a business card. And she was like, no, thank you. And he was like, oh, okay. I was like, damn, I wish I could do that. But mm-hmm. I, could, I couldn't do that. I could, I, I, no, I can't, I can't do that. It's just like, thank it. you so much. And then if you can't, you know, I'm a well-wisher. So I just think, shit, just wish people well if you can't align with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's I, all. I'm, I'm studying the vocabulary. I got yeah, you. Yeah, just like, thank you so much. Like, blessings. I wish you well. Like, yeah. Blessings. <laughs> no, it's not a dismissal. It's real. Like, you know, I wish you well. Everybody got a journey. and I wish we you just, well. Yeah. Blessings. Yeah. No, 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 I'm Don't turn it, it into that. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. You, you brought up the word purpose. Mm-hmm. And again, as your career is going on and you're back in, in the role of acting, I know you're passionate about it, but do you feel acting is your purpose? And if not, what has become or what has shown itself to you to be your purpose? Hmm. See, I think you can fulfill your purpose on really large stages or no stage at all. I'm very big on that. I don't think it has to be amplified or in front of an audience. So, you know, my purpose, I'm working on trying to put that in a sentence, but maybe it's too complicated to ever put in a sentence. 
Um, but I definitely want to inspire and uplift and motivate and, you know, love on my people. And as far as acting goes, I think it's a avenue. I don't think it's the sole purpose because I think I can do that at the gas station when I see someone and give them a hug or, you know what I mean, anything. Or at my kid's school or at the family barbecue. You're always in purpose if you're intentional. So acting is definitely an avenue to express that. I feel like if maybe if I didn't act, I wouldn't be on the stage and, you know, you know my name because of certain movies that I'm in and that has allowed me to be here with you guys, here with you guys and talk about something other than that, which is more important. And so I think it is a window inside of a really big, abundant, unlimited house of things. So you... Does that make that make sense? I like okay. that. I love right. that. I'm, like, I I don't, like I'm, that. I'm speaking from that. my heart. I don't know if I'm making any kind of sense. I am. Okay, hey, thanks, y'all. Whew, y'all know this is actually my first public speaking situation. <laughs> <laughs> Clap it up for her. They here with you. We here with you. Okay, y'all here with me. Amen. <laughs> so you come from a world of Hollywood acting where a lot of things are fake, right? Um, how do you know who to trust, right? Because that's difficult for people to know, especially in a world like Hollywood. Like, how do you know, like, this is a person that I rock with, I trust this person. That's very difficult to do. Yes, and I have had people in my life that have shown themselves untrustworthy. So it has been a trial and error for me, error as it has been, I think, for everybody. I think it's hard to know off bat, um, especially when you're in like survival mode and like trauma response relationships. That's, it's, it's hard to tell, right? So I think the more clear I get with myself and more self-love and the more I get to know me, I'll be way more clear. And then I will attract those types of individuals, you know, um, yeah, my friend group isn't necessarily my friend group it was 10 years ago. And some of them are, and but some of them aren't, you know what I mean? And so my answer to that is that the more you know yourself, the more you'll be able to tell. Mm, okay, okay. So knowing that, you have to kind of coordinate and dictate who will be a part of your team. But what was that process like, knowing that these people that I used to align with are no longer aligned with me because that's that's a struggle, right? Especially in some things that, that we're, we experience, right? Everybody's not meant to go with you on this journey and everybody's not meant, they, I mean, they're not put here to be on you with any of the journey at all. So how did you distinguish, how did you navigate around that? As far as like business went or just like both. in life, yeah. Yeah, in life. Hmm. That's really hard. I mean, that was really hard for me because I'm extremely loyal. And so I'll just ride it to the wheels fall off. And at, at times in my previous, in previous times, it would be to my detriment, you know? Um, and as I just, I guess, got older and wiser, and if somebody doesn't feel good, like, mm, you're not really here for me or you don't necessarily say the kindest things or you just the energy is not vibing with mine right I just create distance and a boundary 
How have you been able to deal with like social media, right? Where I suck at social media. <laughs> I'm the worst at a social trigger. media. Oh my god, I'm in not. What, in what way? It's like I don't post enough. I don't. I, I I'm not. And then I don't know how to navigate it. And like they keep coming with these new platforms, and I just need them to stick to Instagram because I can't <laughs> do all these other things. Um, I limit my um, social media um, experience only because it's just filled with so many opinions and I believe opinions are like little weapons that hurt everyone to the core and I don't want to be a part of that. That's interesting that that you said you suck at it. I feel, and maybe it's people out here who feel like it. Every time we get a post from you, it's like, oh, Lauren posted. We got to check this out. Because I'm not, like, I, I guess, like, I don't post enough, um, and I guess I should, but I also don't want to, like, play the game. I think it works, though, because the oh. scarcity of it, I know when you post something, it's something that's very intentional. See, and so that's about being authentic. So authenticity is like, you can't go buy that. You got to be that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I said, people feel that. You know what I mean? Like, they know if I'm posting, I mean it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, she meant that. Like, You know what you did post in your story? You said what? There's something that you posted in your story. That I we do were... post in my story yeah, a lot. Yeah, there was an interview we did that you posted, and we were very grateful. I was yeah, like, yeah, wait, yeah. she posted us? This oh, is all we made it. <laughs> that, was, that was dope. As a mother, though, mm-hmm. do you limit the access to social media for your children? Oh, yeah. He can't have social media. Your oldest son? Mm-mm. How old is he? 14. 14? Mm-hmm. He can have it. He just can't be like Wait, I have to monitor. I saw the neck twitch. We shouldn't even ask. My job, my, you know, is part of like a part of my, you know, job is to protect my child. And I just know what it does to adults. And I just, you know, he has time until he goes into that realm. You said something. You said a, a but pin- no, no. Offend, like nothing against anybody that chooses differently. I'm just hella sensitive and I'm still working on, you know, handling my inner self and somebody say something crazy about my child. When, when you post, I'm, I'm trying to... <laughs> oh, no. So you, I'll post them sometimes, but... But when you, are you the person, you're posting it and I'm leaving it? Are you the person that I post and maybe, let me check the comments real quick. Both. Okay. So you mm-hmm. read, I'm going to keep it 100% both. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, you said and that some of them will hurt your feelings. You're like, yeah, no, mm-mm, that's too much. That's not nice. You said opinions are like little weapons. Yes. Can you explain that? Okay. Um, yes, opinions are weapons. You know what I mean? I think for us to say like we're not affected by negative and harsh opinions people have on us would be a lie and it would take in a really, really enlightened person to not be affected. So if I get all these little bitty jabs, it's going to hurt my core because at some point, maybe I agree with them in a way or maybe they're touching a part of me that I haven't resolved. And so I think those are like weapons. Uh, for weapons. sure. On the flip side of that, like you particularly, you got a lot of outgoing support um, on social media. Has that helped to, to uplift you? or do When you I not- say that the prayers... I always say this. The prayers of strangers have helped me beyond. I I can never express the prayers of strangers have really 
helped me and uplifted me. Like, I really do feel the love from people that I don't know that do comment, that do say they pray for me. Like, I don't take that for granted and I don't take advantage of that. Like, that, you have no idea the collective prayer how it has helped me. So thank you. Anybody that has ever prayed for me or my family, genuinely, thank you. Does it make you feel super protected? I feel like anytime your name is brought up, it's just, there's a level of grace that is brought with it, decadence when people mention you. It almost feels like of this generation, I was saying, Shadi, like we, she's in a, a space where people will always protect, there will never be anything negative. Do you feel that? I do. I do feel. I do feel protected in a way. I have to say that I can't front on that. Like I, like I said, it's the prayer of strangers. I, I, I feel like, you know, the world witnessed something crazy, traumatic, um, that I, you know, directly affected me, and um, yeah, I'm just like the. I've been front row with that with my grief, with my, you know, trying to get back to work, with my motherhood. You know, I think I've been as open as I can be with that. And so I don't think I would be that open if it wasn't received well. What's, um, when you think about the legacy that you're building and leaving for your family, for your followers, your supporters, what, what do you want that legacy to be? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, hmm. Maybe like a lighthouse, like maybe somebody that went through what I went through or have a friend that's been through or maybe not exactly what I went through, but like maybe I can help in that way. You know, I know I had people around me that really helped me. And I also feel like, you know, there's a part of my community that doesn't have that reach. And if I can touch them and help them, you know, yeah, I would like my legacy to be one of help and insight and um, inspiration. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. There, there was this quote that you said, uh, shout out to Angie, you was on, on uh, in real life, you like, you're as deep as the ocean. Yeah. You're as deep as the ocean. And I wonder, would there be a time or could you see a time in your life where you create a medium to actually share that part of you with the world because I'm, I'm sure Absolutely. people will be inspired by it, people will relate to it, but Absolutely. the fact that it's coming from you yeah. means so much. Absolutely, I do believe in timing and you know pace, but I know that there's more for me to say and there's more for me to share, and so I believe in not sharing it is gatekeeping it, and I don't want to gatekeep it. It's not mine to keep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So we talked about the Puma partnerships. Is there any other um, business endeavor that you may be part of right now that you're excited about or that you would like to potentially get involved with? Yeah, I want to really get involved in uh, children's books with um, characters that like look like my kids and like moms with like long nails and braids and like you know what I mean <laughs> moms like wear sneakers and stuff so yeah I want to get into children's books uh, that's able to um, illustrate to children certain concepts that might be hard for us to express to them that's on the business side yeah. we talked about the word assets anything that, that adds value to the net worth are there 
assets that you're being introduced to that are now piquing your interest? I know you talked about real estate a little bit. Are there other asset yeah, classes? Uh, real estate and I just found out that like life insurance was a really big asset. You don't say. <laughs> this so, is so, yeah. So, but um, yeah, I would, I would also like to leave my sons with some income property. Yeah. So that's, I'm working on that. Is your youngest son into finances yet, or he's too young? He's too young. He's into Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And, like, Roblox. Like, I wish I created Roblox, because the amount of Robux. That was, so, exactly. Y'all know about Roblox? If they parents, they better know, because their account's getting hit every day. Yeah. But that was an interesting lesson that we got to teach our children, right? Because Roblox was a privately held company, and it became a publicly traded company. And so we would tell our kids... If you want to spend money and get Roblox, you should buy stock. And so there became a lesson to teach them about how an IPO happens. It becomes a lesson of how to invest, appreciation, depreciation. Now, that's something that they can pass down. Like they're investing. We do it through a custodial account, which is something we can do for our children. But now they can have it at nine years old. And they can track it and see what it does by the time they're 10, 11, 12. They can hold on to it till they're 18, or they can say, you know what, we've made profit and we can take it, and we've generated income. So, like, these are, like, these little intersections mm-hmm. where Roblox, yeah, it's, it's cost me, and they're enjoying it, but we can also teach. I'm about to have Cross uh, get to some Roblox stocks. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not into finance yet. He's just, like, a pure little kid. That's, that's good. What, how do you feel about how technology is shape, shaping young people? When you look at artificial intelligence, when you look at all of these different things that we didn't have when we was growing up, right? And we were talking to Van Jones the other day, and he was saying that he has a daughter. I think his daughter just got born. And she, he was like, when she, her first crush is probably going to be somebody that's artificially intelligent. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just like, wait, is this where the world is going? Yeah, like an AI. So I never thought, I'm like, damn, that's probably true. So it's like, that's kind of crazy if you think about it, right? So how do you feel about all of this AI and all of the technology that kids are growing up with that adults are still trying to figure out and understand? Yeah, I mean, I have my, I had to ask my son Cameron, like, wait, so what is this? And how is this, you know? I'm starting to feel like how my mom felt when she wasn't getting grasping CDs or like DVDs, you know? I think my mom still has a VHS. But you know what I mean? So, yeah, I kind of feel like a dinosaur in that way. But I think with anything, I do think that technology is great. I think the abuse of it is not. Abuse, like, what do you mean? I mean... Come on, the like, whole like, like music, you get, music artists, the, like how they're creating these songs from the like, yeah, it's just I don't, I think you don't like that. You don't like that. I just don't think it's fair. I don't think that it's fair. Um, so no, I'm not a big fan. But I'm, I'm my, I'm old school too, right? So you know, I'm, I'm trying to find that balance. I don't have it yet, but I do think, like I said, with everything, there is a balance, and sometimes it can be great and innovative and can help in so many ways and then if we abuse it it's not going to be any good we saw the Beyonce song Charted right her song Charted and I think they just nominated I think the Drake song is nominated in, for the, the Grammys no, the Drake song's hard no it's hard that sounds just like Drake it's pretty hard 
So what if they do a podcast with your voices and run it? Well, here's the best thing about that. Okay. They can do that. Okay. But they can never do this. True. Right. Right. Be in front of a thousand, two thousand people. That's true. But still, until my holograms. Okay. Exactly. And then then I'm gonna run up on stage on a hologram. And I will be on somebody's (laughs) ranch, growing my own (laughs) food, talking about some what's happening in the world. Um, before before we leave, um, do you have any any words for anybody out there that you know is is trying to get it together, trying to find their their pathway? May have went through some issues. Everybody goes through issues in life, right? But everybody doesn't fully understand why they went through it, or they, mm. they're still trying to figure it out. Um, would you have any any words of advice or any words of encouragement? Sorry, I just don't want to like throw anything out there because that. No, be, no, for sure, like, for sure. I'm just trying to think what I would, what I tell myself these days. I mean, it sounds really cliche, but you really do have to trust the process. And if you've ever read the book, The Alchemist, is, are you guys familiar with that book? One of my favorites. It's like pay attention to the omens. You know what I mean? And the, that book was so great because it's like, oh my god, what's happening? When is he going to get to where he has to go? You think the whole book is about the destination, but it was really about the journey. And I know that sounds really cliche, but even in my own personal journey, I'm like, damn, you know, every day really does count. Even if I spend that day in the bed, it does count. And be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. You got it. I don't want to, I want to really just thank you for being here because this is, I mean, having a conversation and, and you coming out is a rare occasion to speak. And so that do that with us. I, I can speak for both of us. We're going to be eternally grateful for this moment. So thank, thank you, you again, Lauren, for coming. Thank, thank you. you for sharing. Thank you, guys. Thank and being transparent and vulnerable with everybody. We greatly appreciate you. We cherish you. And we're going to continue to thank support you. Guys. Please show some love to Lauren London. Thank you guys so much.